Welcome to the Equipping You podcast, where our mission is to equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. Equipping You is a ministry of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season four, episode eight, coming to you largely from, you guessed it, Colorado Springs, Colorado, home of multiple taco restaurants. Mm. If you like Mexican food, come west, young man, come west, young woman. Uh, I have grown to love Mexican food more by living here in uh, Colorado Springs. So uh, it's hard to argue. Green chili. It's the home of green chili. It is the home of green chili. I'm Terry, and I am the church ministries leader for the Alliance. And I'm Alan, the multiplication leader for the Eastern PA Alliance District. And our trusty producer is Caitlin Guyberson. Thank you, Caitlin. Glad to be me. Yeah, glad to be here. We appreciate having you here. And we're looking forward to uh, an interview today with a repeat offender. That is a repeat interviewee, Daniel M., who has, since we talked to him last, come back home to the Christian and Missionary Alliance. So, uh, Alan, well-connected with Daniel. What's what's up there? Yeah, well, Daniel's a guy on mission. I love that about him. Uh, He wants to see people come to know Jesus. He wants to see disciples made and multiplied. He wants to see churches multiply, and that's just beautiful stuff. Uh, and his transition back to uh, Edmonton and that church's big vision uh, drew me to have him on the podcast. So I'm really excited for him to unpack that for us. And I think his he has a new book with a unique message that ties in well. So I'm looking forward to him mentioning that as well. So it's going to be good. Yeah, looking forward to this uh, interview and conversation with uh, Daniel. So grab yourself my wife's favorite soft drink, Mountain Dew. The nectar of the gods, she says, and uh, (laughs) it'll give you a. If I get to heaven and Jesus is sipping on a Mountain Dew, I don't know. I don't know know what I'll do. (laughs) It'll it'll give you a kick of energy, nonetheless. uh, Enough caffeine and sugar in there, and so sit back, relax. Here we go. Hey, Equipping You friends, it's Caitlin here, and I want to tell you about something super special that we have launched here at Equipping You that's just for you, and we think you're really going to love it. If you're an avid Equipping You listener, an Equipping You live attender, or both, you need to join our Facebook group called Equipping You Community. We love that on the podcast and at Equipping You Live, we get to empower you in your ministries. But we believe that for you to really see the true transformation of your leadership that you want, applying what you learn in community is key. So pause this episode right now and head over to facebook.com slash groups slash equipping you community. Or you can go to equippingyou.com and scroll all the way to the bottom and click on equipping you community. We can't wait to see you there. It's our pleasure to welcome back to the Equipping You podcast, Daniel M. Daniel, thanks for joining us uh, today. We really appreciate it. 
Well, it's always an honor to come back. Uh, it's it's not that often that I get to come back on a podcast, so yeah. uh, other than the ones that I host. So this is yeah. great honor. Thanks, guys. <laughs> well, we're glad that you you were willing to come back. So you were our very first guest for our very first season of Equipping You uh, podcast. You launched us to great success, Daniel. <laughs> I don't know about that, but <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> At the time, uh, you were working at Lifeway in Nashville, but now you've made a big change. So uh, what have you been up to since we talked to you last? Yeah, so it's a long story. I'll try to keep it short. And um, yeah, basically, I moved back to Edmonton, back to full-time pastoral ministry. Uh, I was at Lifeway for probably about five years. And, and the thing that probably let me last or allowed me to last that long is because I was still rooted in a local church there as mm. a teaching pastor. So I just, I love the local church. Um, it's always been a calling for me. And I knew God had opened the doors for me to go work at Lifeway. But um, yeah, being a teaching pastor at the fellowship in Nashville was definitely a godsend. But having said that, uh, basically, I had come back to Beulah Alliance Church. That was a church that I was at before Lifeway. And uh, the senior pastor here, Keith Taylor, has been here for 30 years, uh, coming up to his 30th year. And Basically, about a year and a half ago, asked, um, or probably, I, I don't know the specific time, but probably asked uh, if we would pray about coming back and doing succession with him here at Beulah. So we are one year into the process. Uh, we are kind of halfway through the process. And yeah, it's been, it's been absolute, an absolute blast to be back in the Alliance family. Well, we welcome you back. Uh, we had that conversation with you when we talked to you before off uh, camera, <laughs> yeah. uh, trying to pull you back in. So uh, we're we're taking credit and uh, <laughs> believing that we say, had some influence on that. Hey, not. hey, so so I know this isn't secret because it's a podcast. But even when I was at Lifeway, I was you know my theology, my everything was always aligned. So uh, fourfold gospel, Christ as Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Coming King. I mean, we I could go on forever about. Uh, my love for the Alliance and our distinct theology and missiology. So yeah, it's and, good to be back formally. We're, we're glad to have you back in the uh, family in a formal way. Yeah, for sure. So what, uh, what tipped the scales in leading you back to the new position? You know, you gave us a little bit, but there had to be something. It's like, yep, this is it. Yeah. So November, 2018, we got our green cards. Uh, it's a very long, arduous, expensive process. And we finally got it. And it was about that moment when God began unsettling Christina's in my heart. Mm. And we initially thought that was because Tom Rayner, the president at Lifeway, had announced his retirement. And we were like, oh, it's, that's probably why, because it's a big change. And when the president changes, lots of things can change. And really, we just kind of chalked it up to that. But we had our hands open and we we're just seeking God's face on that, not really knowing particularly what that was. That was November. In January, that's when I came up. It was about a year in planning, but um, I came up to Beulah to preach and to lead a staff retreat. And that's when Keith popped the question <laughs> and kind of <laughs> rocked our world. And, and we really began coming before the Lord and praying about it because literally there was nothing that made would have made me want to leave Lifeway. I loved working with the Big C Church, uh, and I loved being in the local, in my local church, and having that balance. Literally, I, I people would ask, like, what, what, what would you want to do? Like, what kind of church would have to offer you? I was like, I don't want to go to any other church. I literally love my life here, like, love every aspect about it. But when he popped that question, and we began praying about it, 
we were like, man, is God doing something? And I love what my friend, uh, he's a pastor in Nashville at Cross Point Church. So Kevin Queen, uh, we were at dinner with him and his wife. And this is what they said to us as we were, uh, as they were helping us discern and process this. They were like, hey, you know what? When God is ready to move you, it's kind of like he's moving a tree. And he doesn't just, he's a gentle gardener. He doesn't just kind of take the tree or take the plant and root you out and rip you out. He doesn't do that. He actually, before he even touches where you're at, he is preparing the soil somewhere else. And he is digging the soil there. And as he's digging the soil there, it's only when that is ready, that's when he will gently begin loosening you where you're at and bring you up and bring you over there. And as I was reflecting on that, um, it was fascinating because I said in the January conversation with Keith, I was like, well, it's interesting how you, you bring this up about us possibly moving back and praying about this and doing succession with you because God had begun unsettling our hearts a couple of months before. And he said this, I kid you not. He said, that's fascinating because a couple for the last couple of months, I've been praying and he used these words. I've been praying that God would unsettle someone's heart. <laughs> wow. So it was, it was, it was that where I was like, okay, you know, this, we actually really do legitimately have to fast and pray and see God's face on this. And, and long story short, we're now back in Canada. It's been a year. Great. Great. Love. Thanks so, for sharing that. So you're at Beulah Alliance church in Edmonton, mm-hmm. Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Yeah. And uh, that's a church with a great legacy. Yeah, and uh, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about the legacy and history of um, Beulah. Yeah, it's I love it. I love it because what I was doing at Lifeway was multiplication. I mean, I have a passion for multiplication, and Beulah. If there's any church within the Alliance family, especially on the Canadian side, I mean, it is rooted in multiplication. And uh, I'll, I'll get to the history, but the elders in the candidating process, they were like, "Our heart is that Beulah would focus in on that original mission." toward multiplication. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to give my life is already devoted to that. And because (laughs) as elders, you're, you're there. I'm like, okay, like this is, this is incredible. So 1907, that's when the Beulah mission was founded. Uh, A group of believers established it. I mean, the church, the city was about 2,500 people and it was really a mission to unwed mothers, um, to widows, to, it was just a center for compassion. And then in 1921, and this is what I love, uh, J.H. Woodward, uh, he was a pastor in Ontario, and he was praying about um, uh, he was praying about going on missions, and he had he he was preparing to go to Africa actually, and because he sensed that God was calling him to somewhere that started with the letter A, and you know, 1921 Africa missions. I mean, it makes sense, but God had actually called him to Alberta. So still A, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but it was the wild, wild west. And in 1921, they called him. And what I love about that, and this is where I think this is God's divine providence. Okay, In May, when we came to candidate, or actually not May, it was April when we came to Canada. It was Palm Sunday when I preached uh, that evening. So the Saturday night service, after the Saturday night service, God just utterly broke Christina's and my heart for Edmonton. And it was fascinating because we had never felt a call. We have a call to pastoral ministry, um, but we had never felt a call to a city, something we've prayed about. And we, I mean, there are cities that definitely break our hearts, but it was never to the extent of a call. 
And we know how important a call is within the Christian and Missionary Alliance. Um, so what was what was fascinating is that evening, God just utterly broke our hearts for Beulah and for Edmonton and opened our eyes to how Edmonton was a mission field. When I came in, in 2010 and I was here to 2010 to 2014, I was like, man, Beulah? No, not Beulah. Edmonton is not a mission field. Edmonton, it, it, like that's like the Bible Belt of Canada. If there was a Bible Belt of Canada, if there was, <laughs> it would be here and I didn't see Edmonton in that way. I saw Korea in that way. I saw Montreal in that way. Thailand, you know, a lot of these countries I saw as mission fields, but not Edmonton. Yet God, as we were praying about coming back and discerning, it's just neat historically how that was kind of the call that J.H. Woodward had uh, that Edmonton was a mission field, and how God's kind of he he wrapped that up in our story as well. That is beautiful. Thanks. Yes. I love that you're passionate about that history of the church. That's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's and awesome. so so over 50 churches have now, and it, so next year is going to be our hundredth year. Over 50 churches in northern Alberta have been a part of our church, um, have come out of our church. I was even sitting pre-COVID, uh, sitting beside a gentleman, uh, and he was telling me how you know he's been a part of the church since he was like a little kid, and and how he's been a part of launching this church and that church and this, and and have always kind of launched been a part of launch team and come back and launch and come back. So I just love the heart of missions, both globally and locally that our church family has. Fantastic. And now you have an even bigger goal um, (laughs) for Alberta, Edmonton, um, Mm -hmm. Edmonton, Alberta. So tell us about that. Yeah. So Edmonton is now greater Edmonton is about 1.3 million people. And our, the, the heart and the vision of our church is to reach 1% of this city. So uh, that's about 13,000 people. Now, as it relates to multiplication, for your listeners who know me from uh, my new churches, well, I still do the new churches podcast, but we always talk about church planting and multi-site, right? We talk about the multiplication side. So I think multiplication is the banner, and there are lots of ways we can do it. Sure. So as it relates to Beulah, when it comes to our city, Multi-site is our method in this moment, uh, but outside of Edmonton, it's a vision, it's church planting, right? So even as we looked at our stream, and yeah, people from outside Edmonton are tuning in, but we are really contextually looking at Edmonton and wanting to talk about our city and our, and, and that side. So that's partly around that, but the vision, and this is the 1% side I've talked about and it's on our website and all that stuff, but the other two sides I haven't publicly talked about. So I'll kind of give you guys a first kind of public glimpse into the things that God is, God is stirring in my heart. It's not public, right? It's not fully agreed upon, but it's, it's things that I've been praying about and God's been stirring on my heart. So if we're going to reach 1% of Edmonton, and I truly believe our church can spiritually steward, we have three campuses right now um, that we can spiritually steward and shepherd 1% of our city. I believe that that is possible through contextual means and all that. So if that's the case, what if we actually grew 10% of our city's faith, right? So there's a difference. I want to spiritually pastor and shepherd, right? And own 1% of our city. But what if we what if we grew the faith of 10%? So that's way beyond Beulah, right? What if we grew the faith uh, and the theology and the missiology and the, and the practice of the, and all of that of 10% of our city. And then what if we then served a hundred percent of our city, right? Not so that they would come to Beulah, but so that if 
they hear about Jesus or hear about the church or hear about Christians, and, and they, they would have a positive experience because of a Beulah member and how they were Christ to them and how they showed Christ to them and because of the ministry of Beulah, not for the sake of getting them in our doors, but for the collective C High, capital C church here in Edmonton. So that's a little bit of what's been really stirring things. And I was like, man, I could give my entire life to reaching our city in that manner. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. Good. I love that kind of thinking. Yeah, that's great. Um, may, may God multiply your kind, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, that's kind of the big vision. Uh, any, uh, any strategy surfacing yet as to how you might accomplish that, Daniel? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, the 1% side, that's multi-site uh, within our city. And, and I mean, there's so many different ways of doing multi-site in light of COVID and in light of um, how, I mean, I guess some of the things that, that God's stirring in my heart, uh, I'm seeing that as, okay, how do we contextually not plant campuses of 1,500, 2,000 people, how do we plant campuses of 100 to 200 people, neighborhoods? So the unique thing about Edmonton, it is so neighborhood oriented. It's, and, and there's actually these neighborhood community leagues. The city of Edmonton as actually, they are funding a position. This guy used to work for Forge, okay? And if you know Forge, their mission, he used to work for Forge. I mean, he is Bible-believing, Jesus-following, missionally-minded Christian, and he is being paid by the city of Edmonton to cultivate healthy communities. Because the city itself has said, if we have healthy communities, crime will go down. If we have healthy communities and healthy neighboring, then, and they actually see the positive effect. So this is a, a follower of Christ who is doing this, right? So, so for us, we're like, how do we target neighbors, not regionally, not regionally. Yeah, we have our broadcast campus that is large and we'll do broadcasting and all that stuff out of that. But how do we regionally, incarnationally reach communities? Um, so that's, that's that, that our city focus that way. The growing part of it is us then saying, hey, if in the States, and I don't have the research here in Canada, but in the States, if 10,000 individuals are, or 10,000 boomers are reaching the age of retirement every single day, and our seminaries and Bible colleges aren't keeping up with the pace of, of, of training up harvest workers. And we know Matthew 9, 35 to 38, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Yes, we need to pray and we're praying about that. But as a local church, this is the 10% part. I want Beulah to be a hub for developing harvest workers um, and not just full-time. There's obviously the full-time track and we're not going to start a seminar. We're going to be, you know, there's the connection with, there's a lot of seminaries that we can connect with. Um, but there's that side of local training, co-vocational, bivocational. There are a lot of ways that we can do that. But for us to really own the development of the harvest worker piece and, and beg God to use us in that manner. So that's a little bit of that strategy piece. And then there's the serving side too. Thanks. Really appreciate you unpacking that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, the curiosity kills me. You know, how has you know, starting your ministry right before a pandemic and then strategizing for this 1% goal. How has the pandemic influenced that or maybe even made you adjust how you look at it? Yeah, well, I mean, so at the time of this recording last week uh, was our last kind of only digital service. So at the time of this recording, we're launching in-person services next week or this upcoming Sunday. So last online service, and we had recorded this like weeks ago, 
because we are, we let our creative team go on vacation and we kind of did this reprieve a little bit of a sabbatical piece uh, for a few of our staff. So, um, recorded multiple weeks ago and I just, it was in the worship time where I just sensed the Holy spirit nudge me and say, Hey, you need to do a call to salvation at the end. So while the announcements are happening after the worship, I call the worship, you know, where I'm talking to our worship pastor. I was like, Hey, can you get a song ready? I don't know if we're going to do this, but I have a sense and the bumper for the sermons going and I'm still talking to him and I like run up, run up <laughs> and just get ready to preach. And I just sense, um, yeah. So, so what's fascinating is we saw lots of people come to know, like make a decision to know Christ. Okay. And it's not the number piece, but it's this one story piece that I share all this, this one lady who had just recently moved to Edmonton, heard about Beulah, something was compelling her to watch our stream. First time watching, okay, first time watching, met, uh, made a decision to follow Christ during that service and was like, whoa, you're meeting in person next week? I'm going to go. So I share that story because online and COVID has given us the opportunity to get into homes. We're not now, we are not three campuses and three locations. We're actually hundreds and hundreds and thousands of we're actually in thousands of devices and locations across our city Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. because of covid so i think that i don't know fully how that's going to relate to the multiplication piece but i have a sense that i mean god's doing something wonderful that's good stuff man so uh you've been busy since we last talked not only moving to beulah but also released a new book called uh you are what you do and six other lies about work so uh, tell us about the book and uh, what led you to write it. Yeah, honestly, it was, um, it's, it's funny because how are we getting our food or, or, you know, from restaurants? How are we getting our, how are we doing our shopping? How are we doing? I mean, a lot of it is being funded by this thing called the gig economy. And when you look at the research around the gig economy, I don't know what it is this year in light of the pandemic, but as much as a lot of industries have shut down, this has only increased so as of pre-COVID, uh, about 35% of America, of Canada, UK, and Australia, about 30 to 40% of the working population in all these countries were a part of this thing called the gig economy, right? So the gig economy is basically anyone, you're a part of it if you are um, you know, making money on your t- with your time, with your skills, with your experience or your possessions, right? So if you rent out your house via Airbnb, you're a part of it. If you've sold anything on Facebook Marketplace, you're a part of the gig economy, right? If you've Ubered or, or any of that, right? Part of the gig economy, yeah. right? I mean, we've yeah. all, it's the side hustle. So that that initially is what led me down this road. I was like, what is that doing to pastoral ministry? What is that actually doing to our churches? What is that doing to serving? What is that doing to our culture? If, if a third, right, a third of the working population is a part of this. And as I dug deeper into the research, I realized that, that there's actually these seven lies, right? These seven lies that I articulate in this book that have allowed the gig economy to flourish. And here's the thing that unites all of them. Okay. I believe the gig economy has, cause it's kind of like from nowhere almost. I know the gig economy has been around for a long time. It's used to be called moonlighting and contracting all, but just all of a sudden it almost seems like it's, it's like if, if you aren't a part of it, you're funding it. Nearly everyone is funding it, but if, if, but most, most people are actually a part of it. So if, think about it. If half of your church, right? If a third or a half of your church is a part of the gig economy, how should that affect the way you're preaching? 
How should that affect the way that you are recruiting volunteers and discipling and all of that, right? How does that affect all of it? So that's what I was going down. And, and here's the core lie. I know there are seven lies in the book that I articulate, but here's the core lie as to why the gig economy has, I believe, gone to the level it has gone. It's this. The gig economy promises a life of freedom and flexibility. Oh, you want to go uh, get that, you know, get that new car? Uh, that, you know, all your friends there, you know, they're doing this and, you know, you, you've been driving a beater and you, you want to get that new car. Well, the only reason you don't have that new car is because you're not hustling enough. You're not getting it. So you want more f- freedom. You want more, so you want more flexibility. Well, here is how you get it. Enter the gig economy. And here's the thing. I I know I've been rambling on for a little bit, but this actually relates to the original lie in the garden of Eden. Right. And it really is that lie of freedom, of flexibility, of ultimate, of control. And no wonder, no wonder our society has so wrapped themselves around it so quickly uh, because it's just like core to our souls and core to, you know, who we are. I mean, there's just this longing that we have for control, uh, but ultimately it's, we need to surrender lordship to Jesus, not to stuff and not to money and not to freedom or not to flexibility. Wow. That sounds like a uh, message I can't speak with authority on Canada, of course, but I will say North America as a whole, just because there's a, certainly enough similarity there. You're, you're talking about the general population. Why does the church need the message of your book? Yeah, it's identity. So the seven lies, the seven lies, and here's what the gig economy has done. It is, it has begun saying, it is, it is actually spoken into the hearts and minds and psyches of our church family and have given them an alternate identity that is not biblical, right? So, yeah. so, so I remember we were uh, at a bike store. Uh, we were at a bike store getting because everyone's biking during pandemic, right? And <laughs> but we had to uh, go buy some. I needed re- to replace brakes on my wife's bike. Uh, and on the outside banner of this bike store. That was our, it was, it was a brand of bike. It was just advertising. And it basically said, you are what you experience. The experiences that you have in life make up who you are. Mm. Right. And that is one of the lies. Uh, We, with all the job loss and the unemployment, this lie that you are what you do. How has this been thrown into our face? Mm. Right. That, that, that those who have lost their jobs are like, well, who am I now? Right? And I've experienced that before. And, and parents who, who thought they were great parents, and then they had to parent their children through COVID and try to homeschool them at the same time and all that stuff. And yeah. now they're feeling bad about their parenting, and, or they feel great about it. And you are who you raise is another one of those lies. So it's like, why are you, why are you finding satisfaction in that? Right? Because here's the thing, right? And, and this, I love what Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, said, you've heard it was said, but I now I tell you, right? He has this pattern where he just goes on in Matthew 5 to 7. You've heard it was said, but now I tell you. You've heard it was said, but now I tell you. What if, and here's, I'll, I'll do this quickly with the lies. What if 2,000 years later, the church, every pastor taught their church. And as disciples, we understood that, yes, we are going to hear you are what you do, right? You've heard it was said, you are what you do. But I say to you, you are a child of God. What if we understood that? What if we taught that? And, 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 and not only that, but here's the second lie of the book. You've heard it was said, you are what you experience, but we actually teach. No, actually, I say to you, you are a new creation in Christ. 
And, and we said, you know, we said, Hey, you, you've heard it was said, you are who, you know, but I say to you, you are known by our loving savior, Jesus. And, th- and then we say, you've heard it was said, you are what you own, right? Go get this, go get that. You know, what kind of, per- are you an Apple person? Or are you a PC person or your iPhone person? Or are you Android? No, you've heard it was said, you are what you own. No, but actually, but I say to you, you are complete in Jesus. And then we say, uh, this is a sixth lie. Uh, you've heard it was said, you are who you raise. But I say to you, actually, you and your children are God's masterpiece. And maybe you can't have children. And this lies taking you down in that way. Well, nevertheless, you are still God's masterpiece. Yeah. And lastly, you've heard it was said, you are your past. And I think all of us have um, at one one time, one point or another, uh, have been weighed down by the sins of our past and by the things that we have done. But what if we actually said to the church, actually, no, you're not your past. That is not who you are. Because as it says in Romans 8, 1 to, 1 to 2, you are free from all condemnation in Christ Jesus. Right? What if we actually preach the gospel in this manner and we let these lies that are now so prevalent in our culture be the introduction to sharing about the good news of Jesus? Yeah. Well, that's a great transition. That's great gospel truth, my friend. You brought it around full circle. Mm. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I know that's a your heart. You're a mission guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how does a book like yours, uh, Daniel, help your church fulfill its mission? So, so during COVID, you were talking about strategy, right? Strategy about um, what is our church focusing in on? And, and COVID has actually allowed us to revisit some of the systems of our church. So uh, our discipleship pathway, our, our leadership pipeline, these are things that we're working on at the moment. Um, and one of the things about our discipleship pathway is, I mean, we want everyone in our church to be a disciple maker, not just be a disciple, but be a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that first, before you can be a disciple maker, you need to be a disciple. And for you to be a disciple, you need to know your identity in Christ and you need to live in the freedom that Christ offers us, right? So when we think about that, I mean, our hurts, our hangups, our habits, right? Celebrate recovery language. I mean, we are all weighed down. I mean, part of the discipleship process is recognizing what our hurts, hangups, and habits are, releasing them to Christ and finding freedom in Him. So when we think about these lies, yeah, we need to know why, like, so yesterday in my life group, in my discipleship group, we were, were working through the book of James and we were at the end of the book of, uh, of, of chapter one. And one of the, we studied about three verses yesterday. And, and one of the verses was be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And we spent pretty much the whole time wrestling through how we have wrestled with anger and what triggers us and all this stuff and and the freedom that Christ offers from that. And and the next couple of verses after that are are incredible, an incredible explanation of that. But here's why I'm bringing it all up. We have these triggers. We have these, there are things rooted deep inside of our souls and in our past and in the things that we do and all that stuff that, that do trip us up and that do prevent us from living a life of freedom in Christ. And a lot of that has to do with our identity. And most of that has to do with these seven lives. So that's, that's why I believe this book is really that, that foundational piece, um, not only for Christians uh, to understand who they are in Christ, but I actually wrote this book so that Christians, as a bridge book, so that Christians can share this with their unchurched and de-churched friends. Because yeah. about 75%, the first 75% of each chapter has no Bible. Because I'm just kind of naming... I'm, and I'm deconstructing what is in our culture. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm deconstructing it. And then at the end, I'm reconstructing it from a biblical point of view. So I do hope that this is both a discipleship, but also an evangelistic book. I'm sure it has been since it's already been out for a little while. Uh, and I'm sure it will be. Uh, and I really appreciate it. We have a little saying that we are t- trying to say a lot around our district that Jesus sets us free to be fruitful. Mm, uh, love that. And if we're, yeah, we won't be fruitful. And, and, and the, the beauty of it is that when we are fruitful, we experience joy with him. Yeah. Uh, but we won't be fruitful unless we're free. So you're, I see that's just fitting like a glove, the message of your book and what Jesus has called us to, uh, it's like a glove. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate your heart. So Daniel, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate all you've shared. It's both a personal challenge to us, but it's also a challenge for our churches to uh, embrace big vision because we serve a great big God who has great plans for our churches, wants wants to see lots of lost people reach through our churches. So thanks for what you're doing, the model, and uh, may God bless you as you uh, continue walking through this new ministry that God has called you to. Thank you, Terry. Thank you, Alan. You're welcome, my friend. It's always good to have you back. Indeed. Well, Alan and Caitlin, another good conversation with uh, Daniel M. Always enjoy having him on the Equipping You podcast. Uh, Caitlin, what'd you you hear that you liked and uh, connected with? Yeah, it was such a great conversation. I think the one thing that stood out for me and that resonated most with me was when Daniel was talking about the gig economy and the kind of hustle culture that I know, especially in my generation and the generations before me, uh, is just super prevalent right now. Uh, And the fact that it ties into identity and that that's a huge part of discipleship and multiplication that, um, you know, we tend to seek more things to solidify our freedom when in reality, our freedom and our identity, and that's the expression of that comes out of our identity that Christ gives us. So that was a really good reminder. Yeah. yeah well put. Well put. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Thanks for doing that. Alan, what should people do if they liked this particular podcast? I'm glad episode? you asked, Harry. I surprised you by asking. I'm I sure. know. It's like, what? I never thought. What we should really do is ask people to share our podcast. Great never idea, done that Alan. Before. Yes. So, yes, they should. You know, they can text it. They can email it. They can post it. They can pick up their phone and call a friend. Uh, they can, you know, do whatever they want to get it out. But remember that it's almost anywhere you can look for it on Podbean, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify. It's everywhere. And for pastors and church leaders in the Alliance, you will find it posted on the CMA Workers Facebook page as well. So there you go. So I just scrolled through all of our podcast episodes to see how many listens they had had. And still leading that uh, charge is the episode with Dan Bowl. Now I have to work with Dan Bowl. So I would appreciate all (laughs) of you jumping on other episodes and listening to them before he finds out that he's the most listened to episode of Equipping. (laughs) That'd be great. Please, people. Yes, we need your help here. (laughs) So, thanks for listening. We, We have a lot of fun doing this, and I hope you have fun listening. And I hope you benefit from listening. I hope it helps your ministry. I hope it helps you in your personal, spiritual walk with the Lord. So, uh, join us next time on Equipping You Podcast. Until then, keep the faith. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You Podcast. 
If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and rating our channel. We hope you will join us for our next episode. For more information on this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.